Yo, T-Bone, did you produce this? Sounds good, right? Okay, cool. Um, let me see. Where's she at? Oh, come here, come here, come here. What's her name? Her name is Vixen. She's my, she's my co-producer. I had a band here, probably like, it's like a group of guys here like two days ago. We recorded this one take, and it was literally just like, we walked in, back back here in the control room, and was like, oh man, like, we think that was a take. And like, she's like laying in front of the, like the racks and like the unit and everything, and she gives us this like, this long meow. And she was like, meow. That's the one. Welcome to another episode of Sounds Good Right. This episode is a conversation with Stone's Throws DJ Harrison. You also know him from the group Butcher Brown. So I was like 14, I think in high school, playing timpani. Timpani is like the big kettle drum in the back of an orchestra. Boom, 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 boom. The gauges on our drums were broke, so I... Like I said, like I, I had always had perfect pitch. Like I was like born with it, so it wasn't like like I didn't need to ask the teacher of like, oh, I need a note for the timpani because the thing is messed up. And then he found out I did it one day without asking him, and he was like, "Wait, how'd you do that?" I thought everyone who was in music could do that. I thought that everyone in music like knew it was like, oh yeah, it's just a C. They did this experiment of like he wouldn't get my band teacher, he wouldn't get my chorus teacher. They were all sitting down at this upright piano, so I couldn't see them, but they had, they also had me like face my back to them and facing this chalkboard. And they're just like, oh, we're gonna play four notes. And from bottom to top, name all the notes without like looking at the at the piano thing. And like they did it like five times and I and I got it right every time. And they were just like, Devon, I, we believe you have perfect pitch. And I was just like, what is that? Like I like, like no one else knows how to do this and then just like no like no like no like I mean people know how to do it but it's just very very rare of course from there like my band director finds out and he gave me like all this extra work and all this extra stuff for school and looking back on it as a 14 15 year old I'm like oh whatever I just want to go and play with the homies and just go outside but then it became this thing of like all the work that he ended up giving me ended up kind of like making my ear way better and like more equipped to do what I do now. A lot of things clicked after that where it was just like, oh, okay, well, I don't know how I got this, but somehow it's here and I can use it to my advantage, you know? If I'm not working on music, if I'm just like listening to the enjoyment of it, I kind of have to shut that side of my brain off just because, you know, just for like pure enjoyment. Because, you know, like, you know, it's 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 obviously fun to like know what's going on and all the recordings and like try to figure everything out. But the main reason we make this music is, the main reason we make music is because, you know, just to obviously like share and connect with the world. Not everyone's going to have that analytical level of, analytical level of uh, digestion when it comes to listening to music. So like sometimes I gotta just turn it off and just remember like, okay, does this have like a nice feeling? Does this have like a mood? Does it put me in a certain place? Like mentally, spiritually, emotionally kind of thing. And you know, I've, I mean like I kind of put that in my music to like really 
to really engage on like what whoever's listening to is just kind of thinking, okay, what are, what are they going to expect from this? What are they going to take away from this? It's tough. Like, you know, I can't be analytical about it, but it's, you know, I, I sometimes I just have to set it off. It sounded like he gave me some kind of Bruce Lee cross kick or something. I kicked the shit out of him. I was looking at your Twitter earlier on, and you made me feel super old, man. So I, I realized that you'd retweeted that um, the Rick James sketch was like 20 years old. Man, my, I, I thought for a second, I was scrolling, and I just like stared at it. I was like, 20 years ago. I remember I remember like watching the Rick James Chappelle skit and going to school, and that was everything that, that's like all that everybody at school like talked about. Like I like saw that in real time. It's like insane. <laughs> Dave has been a seasoned comedian. He's been, you know, he was even before then he was doing it for a long time. I think that's kind of what, like, even relating that to like certain musicians and certain songs and records is like you can hear a certain record or whatever, like you know, over 10, 20, 30 years, and you can still listen to it like it's the first time. It still gives you that feeling. That was how that particular incident ended, but it wasn't the last time I had to whip his ass, whip his ass, whip his ass. To your latest record, it's interesting, making a covers record is really interesting because there's a tradition of it, but it's hard to do well. I want to, first of all, I want to know why you chose to do it and your sort of method for doing it. Oh, well, I mean, just the same thing, like going back to when I was a kid, being surrounded by records, I always knew the like, you know, listening to the radio to my mom or like my grandmother had on, like there was different songs that I knew just from radio rotation and just from having records in the house. So when I started recording my own music, I would just record, like I said, I have perfect pitch. So like I would just record covers just for like for reference. So just to kind of see like, oh, can I nail this lick or can I nail this drum beat? Can I nail this? And then as I got older, when I started writing more serious songs and started like putting out material, that just kind of became a part of my process. It's like, oh, what's that song that I heard yesterday? And it's like, oh, let me see if I can cover that. And it got deeper into it once I started collecting records. When I got more serious about it, I was just kind of just like, okay, let's see if we can take it a step further. Let's see if we can dial in the actual, um, like the sound, like the actual sound, like quality. You make it sound like a Blue Note record from 1960s. You make it sound like Party Jam record from 1980. That kind of became just as important as the as the music itself. And so, like, you know, every project, I just started doing these covers, and I have covers from, like, over, like, the past, like, I would say, like, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, like, some of the covers on the album is, like, like, some of it's like old, like really, really old. It gave it a span because it was like, I mean, I have a lot more covers than this, but I chose the ones on the record that are there now. Just, it was like the like the widest, the widest array. Just kind of like display like, obviously there's like a bunch of D'Angelo covers. There's like a bunch of Dilla covers. There's like a bunch of Mad Lib stuff too, but even just like going to like the deeper, like the older records, I think with this record, it kind of captures, um, you know, 
my research era, but it's it's obviously it's like the research era is like in between for me being a kid, even up to like last year kind of thing. Like just me, like just, just me finding out about new music and trying to find out about like keeping the keeping the tools fresh and also just keeping the keeping the love there and keeping the aesthetic there. But it was funny because like I I already had the covers album kind of like tucked away. It was just kind of like adding to it, and then like it was on a Dropbox. I think someone heard it, and they were just like, "Dude, these covers are these these covers are dope. Like we should put this out." I'm like, "Really?" The instrumental track, Galaxy. I'm trying to try to think. Where's that from? I can't actually off the top of my head. I can't remember where that's from. That's from a record by Eddie Henderson. I want to say it's like '75 or seven. It's like mid '70s, but it has that. Um, it's got like a lot of the Headhunters kind of vibe on there. I just wanted to cover that because I thought the riff was cool. They're like the kind of like that, like little automator was in there. You know, it's just a vibe. It's like a boiling of the pot. It's just kind of just simmering, like waiting to go somewhere. We were mixing the album. We took it to, well, I took my files and my hard drive to Stone Street Studios in LA. And from there, we just kind of just mixed it all. We mixed it all down to two inch tape. Tape to me is like the glue. It's like kind of just like puts everything in a, at a nice little spot in the mix. Also, it's just like a nostalgic feeling too. Like a lot of the records I listened to that were recorded in the 70s and 80s and you know in, in those times we recorded two tapes so it's, like, it's kind of like I gotta be like the teachers like I wanna make sure that like my stuff can sound good and hold up on tape like theirs did I wonder if you like me cause when I come to I so I make a lot of like audio stories and things like that but I cannot start work on an empty session like I have to have the sound of a room or the sound of tape or the sound of vinyl crackle underneath everything before I even start to cut. I can't have that empty, dead silence, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the hiss, man. It's it's something in the hiss. It's like that the hiss or like the crackle of a record, like you said, it's like it's something that I don't know, it's, it's a weird like chakra thing. Like something about that like really sits with me. My thanks to DJ Harrison for talking with me his album Shades of Yesterday is out now and I recommend it now before I go I want to just give you a heads up about something else that I've been working on I was lucky enough to be the sound designer for a new series called Archive The World's Hardest Puzzle And it's the follow-up to a series that I sound designed last year called The Interruption. It's by Tommy Trelawney and Nikki Anderson. And I think you will love it. So I'll leave you with a little clip. It's January 4th, 2012. You're sitting alone in the dimly lit family room. It's a cold winter night. The rain is tapping against the window. You're up way past your curfew. The only light in the room is the harsh blue glow emanating from the computer. Someone in your class told you about this website. A website that has almost anything you can think of on it. Comic books, porn, weaponry, I mean anything. Your parents don't know you're on 4chan, or what it is for that matter. 
Welcome to the underbelly of the internet. You click on to the paranormal message board, hoping to get into safer territory. Posts about tarot readings, Freemasonry, and an alien called Vrillon flood your screen. Then suddenly you notice an image file, no name attached. It's white text on a black background. Something about it makes you stop. Hello. We are looking for highly intelligent individuals. To find them, we have devised a test. There is a message hidden in this image. Find it, and it will lead you on the road to finding us. We look forward to meeting the few that will make it all the way through. It was signed. Good luck. 3301. Footsteps. You unplug the computer and hastily scramble up the stairs. Closing your door, you sit in silence. You cannot get that post out of your head. This is the start of the greatest internet mystery of all time. A series of online cryptology scavenger hunts that turned real life very suddenly. You know, sometimes it was tough. This is tradition in solving. Uh, you get absolutely burned out. And that happened to me. And then I got back up. Then I got burned out. Then I got back up. The classic solving cycle. You're listening to Archive, the world's hardest puzzle. A podcast from Stack. Episode 1. Good luck. 3301. Yo, T-Bone, did you produce this? Sounds good, right? 